Pastor Brock, could you just come and bless our kids before they go? This is, as you know, Pastor Brock. Let's welcome him tonight. Come on, this is. But there's, there's a word that uh, that I use to describe Pastor Brock among us. He is a champion of Keystone Church. He is an encourager of Keystone Church. When I'm in the toilet, he plunges me back out. I mean, he is he is my he is my my friend. Uh, one of the overseers here at Keystone. If there is a champion for what God is doing at Keystone Church, it is Brock and Alyssa Meyer. And uh, it's an honor to introduce you as a friend, as a, as a, co, a co-mentor, um, a co- co-companion on this journey of life that we're doing together, man. I love you. I bless you. Amen. Oh, Amen. All right. Bless yeah. our kids. Yeah, Jesus, we just thank you for these kids. And this is what the kingdom of heaven is like. It's like a, it's like a child. And, uh, Father, I just pray over their leaders and their teachers that are leading them and, and just raising up this next wave. Father, I just pray that you would just lift their head, strengthen them, and encourage their hearts. And, uh, and God, just get a hold of our kids tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Well, hey, if you are new tonight, um, you're in good company because I am as well. I am fairly new. Um, my wife and I, we've been here just a couple of times, um, but we feel like, uh, you know, like we're part of the family um, and we're new with you. I would like my wife to join me. This is Alyssa. Um, yeah. This year will be 10 years that we've been, uh, that we've been married, and um, yeah, so just real fun that, that we get to do this journey together. Um, hey, tonight, if, like I said, if you are... If you are uh, new here, um, I just want to encourage you that you don't have to necessarily believe everything that we believe, but that you can belong where we belong, and it's right here tonight. And so um, what Pastor Lonnie shares, what some of your leaders share, maybe some stuff that you're kind of currently wrestling through, um, that's awesome. And we embrace the wrestle, and we embrace the struggle of everything that you're going on in life, and this is a good spot for you. Um, if you're looking for a church home, hopefully you found one and you found one here. Um, but I would say that a great place to go is a place that teaches the Word of God. That that is the foundational thing. Now there might be stylistically some different things that, man, I wish they would do that a little bit better. I wish they would do this a little differently. Um, but you know what? At the end of the day, we've got to bank on this. And what I love about Pastor Lonnie is that he is a Bible man. He is anchored. Uh, his feet are firmly planted in the Word of God. And uh, that is just such a powerful sign of a healthy church, um, is that we believe this Bible. Um, my wife and I, we've had a fun time just in the last couple of days because we got to fly out to Colorado. Um, and we've got three kids, Judah, who's six, Ronnie, who's three, and Nora, who's one. We flew Nora with us, and uh, Alyssa's parents live in Fort Collins. And so she's hanging out with her grandparents doing a little... Uh, a little grandparent time, and our other two kids are back in Indiana. So we got like a little second honeymoon thing happening here um, under the supervision of our chaperones, Lonnie and Teresa. And uh, so anyway, but it was just great for us to be in an airport and actually fly together. So many times we've taken each other to the airport or we've taken airplane trips to meet each other. Alyssa's from Kansas City. I'm from Indiana. And a lot of our romance happened in an airport. And we're walking through an airport together holding hands, like, man, we get to actually do this thing together this time. And uh, so that's just been a, a fun little couple of days for us. Can I talk? Sure. It's, 
always wonderful to be here. I feel like it kind of is a home away from home. Um, I, we just love you guys so much, and we feel such a part of what is going on here. Um, we celebrate with you. We pray for you. Um, we follow you. Um, so it's just really neat to, whenever we get a chance to be here and be with you, I feel like, you know, this is our second family at home. It's, it's just wonderful. Um, I just have a word of encouragement for you. As we were worshiping, I just kind of opened myself up just to hear from the Holy Spirit. And at first, Pastor Lonnie goes, what's, what's your spirit saying? I don't know yet. <laughs> I, haven't, I haven't tuned in yet. <laughs> but then soon after he said that, I was like, yeah, Lord, what, what do you want to say to Keystone? What? You know, what's on your heart? And it was like instantly. And um, I don't and I don't get words a lot. So when I do, it's kind of like, oh my gosh, like this is the Lord speaking. This is exciting. Um, and uh, it was very, very simple. One itty bitty sentence, um, and it said, um, "I created Keystone, and it is good." I'm like, cool, okay. <laughs> like that seems really simple. And then I kind of just started, you know, okay, Lord, you know, what, what else? Like, what, what does that mean? And, and, um, and so I went to, I was like, when did, that sounds familiar. I created something, and it is good. I was like, oh, that's in the Bible. <laughs> Genesis. I created, um, you know, the heavens. And, and it goes through. Sorry, and it was good. I created, then I separated, you know, the heavens and gave it land, and it was good. And then I created lightness and darkness. It was good. I think I just got that backwards. <laughs> and then, you know, it's like every time he created something, it was good. And um, and so when I heard that, I created um, Keystone said, and it is good, just like the creation. And, and, I, and, I, and then I felt like he was saying it started with something, you know, like it was just a, a ball, just like the earth. It started with something, and it kind of, he added to it, and that was good. And he added to it, and that was good. You know, he started here. That was good. And then he brought in Melissa. That is good. He brought in Donovan, and that is good. He brought in Carl, and that and that is good. And and I thought, oh my gosh, every single one of you is an addition to creation. It, it is good. You are good. You are supposed to be here. You are part of this creation. And I think everyone here, it's not an accident. It's like God brought you part of the create. He created you to be in this world of Keystone and of Colorado, and and I thought, whoa, I'm getting goosebumps, you know, I thought, whoa, how awesome is that, every single one of you is an addition, and you are good, and you are good, and you're supposed to be here, I created you for this place, and you thought, oh my gosh, so I just want to encourage you, you're in the right place, like God created this, and this is good, amen. That's great, awesome. Last time that I spoke here, y'all were in a school, um, which was really cool to see that. And I got up to speak, and all I did was cry. Um, and I feel like that's all I've gotten done tonight as well. Um, how powerful to have the baptism tonight. Um, I think it was just neat to see Isaac and his story. Um, it's just powerful. Josiah with his dad baptizing and speaking those words over him, and he was just amped and so pumped and excited. And then I'm crying again, um, and uh, and then seeing how y'all take care of your pastor and you bless Pastor Lonnie and Teresa. I'm crying again. I mean, was that the best response that Lonnie had? I, he's, I mean, that was like the worst cry face ever. 
Um, but the best, it was just great. I mean, totally unrehearsed and provoked and just weird and awkward, but really cool. Um, you know that God is in it. My wife and I, we pastor a Quaker church in Fairmount, Indiana, um, which is just as hilarious as Pastor Lonnie's cry face. Um, we grew up more charismatic and, and kind of a non-denominational feel, although this church has been in my family history for a long, long time. My parents were married by the former pastor there. My grandparents go to this church. I'm my, my grandparents' pastor. My grandmother's mother went to this church um, the church is 125 years old this year. It's just got rich heritage. Um, it's just been the staple and the center of the little community and town that I grew up in. Um, and, uh, and so charismatic Quaker thing happening. Um, and, and I don't know how that works out, but God figures it out, and he does it. Um, and I'm trying to grow my beard out to be more Quaker-ish. Um, and when you come to Colorado, I feel like that's just a part of it. You've got to have like a manly... Quaker beard until I get here and I realize how pathetic mine is compared to Carl. Um, he kind of embarrasses me, but we, we were talking earlier, and he's got a better head of hair. Um, but if you can't grow it out the top, just grow it out the bottom. And I just wanted my wife to have a chance in our marriage to run her fingers through my hair, so I grew out my beard. Um, our church is not just old in heritage, but just old people that are there. Um, I'm kind of like a hospice chaplain in our own church, um, and the average age is deceased. It's just really hard to, uh, to minister to those people. So actually speaking here tonight feels like youth ministry again. Um, Y'all are like junior high kids out here tonight. Um, I'm just going to make sure that everybody's got a ride home. We call your parents um, because that's exactly what it feels like. Um, it's just wild how God just throws curveballs into your life and you think that you're on a, some sort of a trajectory doing something and, uh, and God just spins it. And he said, I got this for you. And it's just so fun and refreshing for us to be, um, for me to be back in my hometown, the, the school that I went to, um, family and friends, high school friends that I've been with my whole life. Um, it was inter interesting. In high school, I was voted uh, one of the friendliest. You know how you're voted, you know, best hair and best you know, I don't know, most likely to succeed. I was voted one of the most friendliest in my class, and I had a lot of friends in the sense that I would talk to you around school, but I was never invited to the parties um, because they, uh, I was just kind of disconnected from that world. I had made kind of a stand for Jesus in high school, and I started an FCA group and a Bible study sort of group, and, and I don't know if that was good or bad that I wasn't invited into those scenes, but that's just kind of what happened uh, to me as a teenage kid, and I saw a lot of my high school friends go in a certain way. In a, in a certain direction in life. And what's amazing is I was out of that place, the town that I grew up in, for about 11 or 12 years. Um, and now being back, I see a lot of those guys now coming back. And they are seeking counsel, and they need marriage advice, and they're like, how do I do this with my kids? And, and to where certain areas where I was squeezed out of, I'm now invited to speak into. Um, because I believe that if, that if we honor God with the way that we live our life, he will give us a stage and a platform. You don't need to go seek it out. Just be faithful. Just do what God's called you to do. And I believe that in the course of time, um, because time is, is such a privileged blessing to you whenever you honor the Lord, that He brings things back into your life and He redeems it and He makes it even better than what it was before. And so uh, coming back into uh, to this tiny town, there's about 3,500 people, um, and uh, it's just like a little map dot. Um, but it's, it's our people. 
and I want to share a little bit of our story tonight of what we're doing um, with these crazy Quakers in the middle of Indiana. Um, it's pretty neat to see, and it's pretty fun um, what Jesus is, uh, what he's doing. I've kind of been struggling a little bit with like a headache, sinus, cold thing. Um, we live in like the middle of farmland, okay? And so right now they're in planting season. They're working the ground, turning up the soil. There's dust everywhere. They're spraying anhydrous. You can't hardly breathe and everything. And then I get out here to Colorado, and that, that clean air just messes me up. I can't handle the, the clean and the crisp freshness of it, so all the sinuses are releasing. Um, just kind of just kind of wild. I do just want to talk just for a second about Pastor Lonnie, um, as well as Colin. Um, I've known Pastor Lonnie, and he's been just an awesome encouragement and voice in my life for 14 years. Um, and and you said 15, is that right, Colin? So um, I was a teenager. I was 19 years old. Um, wet behind the ears, didn't know hardly anything. Um, and, uh, and, and Pastor Lonnie came into my life and just at the right point, just at the right moment. You ever have just those right people at the right time to say the right things? Um, there's a proverb that says, you know, a, a, a word spoken at the right season is like golden apples and settings of silver. It's like this juicy piece of gold delivered on a silver platter. And it just wasn't words, it was a person. And he was the embodiment of encouragement in life um, to me for, for, for many, many years. And I believe that if you agree with somebody, you can go far down a journey. If you laugh with somebody, you can go even farther down a road. But when you cry with someone, you can really plunge into the depths of soul transformation. And we have cried together so many times. And I remember being a teenager just crying on his couch saying, what the heck am I doing with my life? Where's Jesus? Where's my wife? I'm lonely. Uh, why am I hanging out on your couch at 2 in the morning? Get me out of here. Get me a wife. And he just kind of walked this road with me. He was in my wedding. Uh, it was just an honor for him to stand up with me on that special day. Um, but Colin, there's something that, that I see in you that I've, that I've experienced myself. And I've served another man pretty hard for nearly a decade, and I know the work that goes into it, and I know the honor that I held in my heart, and the way that you speak about Pastor Lonnie is at that high level, and the way that you serve him, the way that you think outside of these doors, constantly thinking about the church and how to set up and how to do whatever, thinking about the fact that Luke is about to graduate and move on and take the car. Okay, I've got to take care of my pastor i got to rally the people. I mean, this is a leader. A leader rallies, and people follow. So here's an idea. I'm throwing this idea. I, yeah, I like that idea. I like that. And people jump into it. And there's just something that you've got as this Jonathan sort of a thing where there's such this united, kindred, depth um, connection. And I just honor that in you, man, just from the outside looking in. I'm not in it from the day to day. But the little windows that I get to peek in, um, there you are, and you're serving, and, and you're there. I see you kind of also as, as this man in the Old Testament, Obed-Edom. And Obed-Edom was just always around. He was just always, he was always at the house of worship. They're moving the Ark of the Covenant in. Eleazar touches the Ark of the Covenant, and he struck down death. Where are we going to put it? My house is available. The Ark of the Covenant goes to Obed-Edom's house, and he's blessed. Everything that he puts his hand to is blessed. 
the house of, of worship is open. Who's there? Obed-Edom. Who's the one at the, at the church gate? Obed-Edom. Who's the one at the city? Obed-Edom. And I just see you as that man. It'd just be a good study just to kind of check out that dude um, because there's very similar things about you. I just want to honor that in you, um, in you tonight. Um, let's jump in here, shall we? Are we ready to, to go? Jonathan, I appreciate you, man. You're a smooth operator back there. Um, and, uh, and also Kevin. Ke- is Kevin? Yeah, man, you're a great guitarist. Um, I'll tell you, some people do something because they have an interest in doing it, and it'll take them a little ways. Other people do something because they have a gift in it. And that can re- you can really build something powerfully on a gift. Then there's this whole other wave is you do something and you have an anointing. And that's a whole other ball game, man. And I believe that there's an anointing to play in the presence of the Lord, to lead others um, into it. I mean, America has been built on a ton of people with amazing gift sets, right? You can get a long way with gifts, but, but when an anointing comes upon a man, look out. And just like whenever the prophet Samuel anointed King Saul, it says, when the anointing of the Holy Spirit came upon him, he turned into another man. I believe when the anointing comes upon you, there's another man that comes alive and plays, and it's pretty powerful. And I was just enjoying it. I was just drinking deep of the anointing flowing through your fingers. Um, no doubt there's a gift, but there's also an anointing. And uh, just appreciate you, man. Hey, you belong. How many of y'all are thankful that you belong? It's good to belong somewhere, isn't it? Um, it's great to have a third place. Many people, they've got their home. They've got a job. Um, and then they've got to have a third place. And it's great to have a church family to call a third place. This is where I connect. This is where it's not the home life and it's not my work life, but this is where I come alive. And it's that third place where I kind of gather and I, and I get to drink from this well and I get to just really enjoy what God is doing in my life. And this is the place that you belong. And hopefully we get to to drink from that well uh, often. Um, if you're with me, we're going to go to Second Corinthians in chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Hey, a study was done, and I want to share this study with you, where they asked kindergarten kids, um, they asked them, are you a good drawer? And all the kindergartners said, yeah, of course, I'm a good drawer. I'm an excellent drawer. They came back whenever they were 18 years old and about to graduate high school, and they said, are you a good drawler? They said, no, not really. I'm not that good. They did the same study, and they said, are you a good singer? So kindergartners, yeah, I'm a great singer. I'm an awesome singer. I can sing so good. There's such confidence. There's such unawareness. There's such a, a freedom in who you are, and you're, you don't really care who you're not. And I said, yeah, I'm a good singer. They asked him right before graduation, are you a good singer? No, I'm not, I'm not very good at singing. What happens in our mind from kindergarten until graduation, no doubt you've developed a little bit of a skill. You've gotten a, to better at coloring in, in the lines, right? You've gotten better at drawing. You're no longer just kind of little squigglies. You can actually do like a stick man. You can draw some sort of a house. You can draw some. You have gotten better in a skill, but you think that you're worse. 
you've gotten better at singing. You can't carry a note. You don't remember any of the words, but you've gotten better by the time you've graduated, and you have developed something. Uh, but now you say, no, I'm not, because the standard of everybody around you that's putting it on you says, you're not good. Your teacher says, you got an F in art. You're not good at this. And somebody else speaks to us and validates us and tells us whether we are good or not. And, and it marks our identity. And rather than knowing internally who we are and what we, what we are called to do and what God has put on us, other people come in and ding us up along the way. And other people tell us, you're not any good. You're, you're not, you're not going to be good at that. You're probably not going to be a good husband. You're not going to be a good dad. You're not going to be you know, this awesome wife. You're not going to be great in business. You're not going to be... And so then we just start buying into the lie of other people's validation. And I'll tell you what, man, it has just crippled our society. I believe that it's crippled the church as well. And so I just want tonight just to be a washing of God just, just kind of re-stamping His identity upon our hearts and Him re-establishing who we are in His mind, how He sees us, no longer how we see each other, and how we measure up. The Bible says as soon as we enter into uh, uh, comparing ourselves amongst ourselves, we enter into all ungodliness. And so we just say, you know what? You're awesome the way that you are. And God loves you the way that you are. And He loves you enough not to keep you there. He wants to keep on advancing who you are. But, but He loves you right where you are. And you belong here tonight. I did the same thing with my, with my, uh, with my daughter. She's three. Ronnie, are you a good drawler? great drawer. She's terrible. But she believes it. She believes that she is. She has this Hello Kitty book that she has watercolors and she paints and it's all over the place and it's crazy and, and she's not any good. But she believes that she is. I asked Judah. Uh, my, my, my wife asked Judah. He's playing coach's pitch. Judah, are you, are you good at baseball? And he says, yeah, I'm the best. And he believes it. And he's terrible. I'm not one of those parents that's going to tell the coach, you need to play my son. He's, he's awesome. He's not. He's just not. Parents, be real. Your kid's not the best, okay? They're just not. And Judah's not, okay? And I, and I understand that. But he believes it, yeah. And so Alyssa just challenges him at the level that he believes he is. If you think that you're the best and you've got to run as fast as you can and you've got to grab that ball and you've got to throw it and you've got to pay attention, you've got to lock it in. And so whatever his belief system is, that's the level that we're going to challenge. You think that you're awesome? We believe you. And let's, let's go stake claim to that. And tonight we believe that God wants to do some awesome things. It's going to be the best and produce some great fruit in your life. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and I want to start in verse 11. Um, I've got the NIV translation. I've also got the message translation. Um, I don't know which one you think is more spiritual. I think the best translation is whatever one you actually read. All right, so if you're reading it, that's probably the best one. That keeps us vigilant, And you can be sure. It is no light thing to know this that will all one day stand in that place of judgment. That's why we work urgently with everyone we meet to get them ready to face God. God alone knows how well we do this, but I hope you realize how much and deeply we care. We're not saying this to make ourselves look good to you. We just thought it would make you feel good proud even, that we're on the side and not just nice to your face, as so many people are. If I acted crazy, I did it for God. If I acted overly serious, I did it for you. Christ's love has moved me to such extremes. His love 
has the first and the last word on everything we do. Aren't you glad that God's love has the first and the last word? That it's not your neighbor that has the first and the last word. That, that it's God who loves you with a crazy, insane amount of love. And He's got the last word on your life. He's got the last word on your marriage. He's got the last word on your kids. That He's got those words upon your life. There's this really neat thing called kintsugi. It's Japanese pottery. And just want to tell you the story about this Japanese pottery. If you take a look at this, this pottery at some point um, was created and designed with so much intent. It was beautifully and wonderfully made. And somewhere along the line, this pottery had been dropped. It had been broken. It had been cracked. It had been kind of beaten up over the course of its, over the course of its life. And what's amazing about this sort of Japanese pottery is you can even see the lines, but what they have done is they have, they have heated and melted gold. And they put the pottery back together from this broken state, from its point of suffering, and they've reconstructed it. The pottery used to sell for a certain amount of, of, of cost, but after it has gone through what they call this kintsugi pottery, it now has exponential amount of worth because of the process of redemption that it has gone through. I want to read this thing to you about Japanese pottery. Uh, it's the art of repairing broken pottery with a lacquer dusted or mixed with powdered gold, silver, or platinum. As a philosophy, uh, this really is a philosophy that, that the Japanese hold. It treats breakage and repair as a part of the story of the object. Rather than something to be disguised, it is something to be celebrated. The wounds are no longer to be hidden, but they're supposed to be out front. It's interesting that this is a mentality and sort of philosophy of the Japanese that they lead with their wounds and they lead with their brokenness. The high value of kintsugi pottery is made possible only by breaking. When gold is heated to the, liqui uh, the liquidity state, it is poured over the break. Kintsugi has similarities to uh, Japanese philosophy of wabi-sabi. Anybody want to say that? Wabi-sabi. It's an embracing of the flaws. It's an embracing of the imperfection. Japanese aesthetics, they value the marks of the wear by the use of the object. This can be seen as a rationale for keeping an object around even after it is broken and as a justification of Kintsugi itself highlighting the cracks and the repairs as simply an event in the life of an object rather than allowing its service to end at the time of its damage or its breakage. Tonight, the Holy Spirit word to speak in the tongues of Japanese is kintsugi over each and every one of you. That you were beautifully and wonderfully made. That there was incredible intelligent design put into every single one of you. And somewhere along the line, we've gotten dinged up. And we've had some breakage and we've got some flaws and we've just kind of these cracked people that are walking through life. And can I just tell you that whenever the, the, the pressing and the melting of the gold is poured across your life, the sweetest, the most amazing thing that we've ever known that has happened on the planet Earth is Jesus Christ, the cross and the resurrection. When it is covered over your life, you actually have more value at that point than you did before. 
that through the crushing and through the crucible and through the breaking, God is making His beauty shine even more. I don't want us to hide from our breaking and hide from our wreckage and hide from our weakness and hide from all of our things. Paul said, I boast in it. Kentsugi, I boast. I have more glory coming out of my life. I have more honor. I have more value coming off of me because of the breaking, because of what has happened in my life. God has done such a powerful thing. Our church in Fairmount is full of Kentsugi people. It is amazing how many people that we have. Whenever my wife and I went back to Fairmount, uh, we just wanted to get involved. We wanted to love this city. And I would just encourage you the same way that we did, is we said we're going to adopt Fairmount as if it's our baby. And if this is our baby, you feed it, you clothe it, you take care of it, you teach it. Sometimes you have to correct it. You play with it. You have parties. You do all of these things like you would your own child that you adopt. And so I jumped in to our high school. And I went nuts into our high school. We already kind of had the hospital visitation thing on lockdown. I said, now we're going to go after some young families. So I got into the high schools. And I said, all right, I want, to, I want to go back to FCA. And it was amazing that I had done FCA in high school. And now I was going to be the leader of FCA, raising up more high school kids. And so we're just loving on these kids. And we show up with a box of donuts and we give out hugs. And I believe that hugs and donuts make high school so much better. And we're just there just to lift their head, to encourage them. We preach the Word of God. We've got people on our school board that go to our church, that go to different churches around the area, teachers that love Jesus. And we just have an open door access uh, to anything that we want to do in, in that high school. It was on Sunday night that, uh, that somebody had died in our, in our community. And we've kind of become that little go-to church of some things that, hey, if there's something going on and we need to reach out, that Fairmount Friends is going to be there. You crazy Quakers are just going to love us. And so they reached out. And so what we did is from Saturday night, I'm sorry, from Sunday night to Monday morning, we just told the school we, want to have a, we just want to have a spontaneous prayer meeting. So they get on to the, to the loudspeaker, hey, whoever wants to pray, just come on down into the, into the, into the gym. And they bring out the, the microphone and they pull out the bleachers, and we got all these kids sitting up there, and we just start praying with them. We get into a circle, and we're huddling up, and we're just praying for this junior in our high school who just lost her mother, and we're just believing God's going to comfort the family. And they're all rallying around. What is the way that you can adopt your community in your, in your town, your neighborhood? I don't know how you break that down to a manageable spot, but something to where you dive in like that. We had a, a candlelight vigil for this family. We've done it multiple times for families. They're just going through it. We said, you know what? In your lowest point of need, in your breakage, we want to be there and just love you. We want to mourn with those who mourn. We want to dance with those who dance. We want to cry with those who cry. We want to laugh with those who laugh. We want to meet you at that point of your pain. One of the things that I've done is I, I, I am involved with, with basketball and I coach basketball um, at our high school and our junior high school. And I'll tell you, we just recently started a youth ministry. Half the basketball team comes to our youth ministry just because we get in there and we love on them. We just say, hey, we just believe in you. We believe in God. And one of the kids, he knows that I'm a pastor. Um, his dad was my junior high coach. I'm now his son's junior high coach. It's just crazy. Nobody moves whenever you live there. They all just stay there. Um, but now we're just seeing this thing happen. And so I give the old oorah speech and we're ready to go out and you know take over and all this sort of stuff. And he says, coach, are, are we going to pray together? I haven't thought of that. Great idea. Let's pray together. So he rallies all the guys, and they've got their arms wrapped around each other, and they're praying for each other. And God, we just take our talents. We just honor you with them. We thank you, Lord, that, that you have given us. We just want to just bless you with whatever you've done for us tonight. And, and, uh, and, and just amazing. Then we go run out of the door. One of the kids I preached on, on Philippians 4.13, that I can do all things because it's Christ who strengthened me. He says, he says, Coach, can we hang that scripture up in the locker room? I said, that'd be a great idea. And so he goes home, and, and, and he's got kind of a tricky home life, and he, and he lives with his grandma, and so he's with his grandma, and they're on the computer, and they print off 
Philippians 4.13. And so he brings it into the, into the school, and he's got it on three different fonts. And he's like, Coach, I got it. And, and, and he laminated it. He took some time to laminate this thing, and, and, uh, and his grandma was helping him. I got three different fonts, and I want the, the team to vote on them. Which one do we want? Yeah, we like this one or this one. And then we vote on it. I'm like, but Justin, we've got to have something to hang it with. And out of his backpack, he pulls a full roll of duct tape. And, and he's like, I got this. I'm like, that'll work. We're going to use that. So we duct tape scripture up on the walls. And, and just like Notre Dame, we run out of the locker room, you know, play like a champion today, and they all smack the, the sign. These kids are running out of the locker room smacking scripture verses. And we can do it because it's Christ who's strengthening us. And we run out there. And it's just amazing what is happening. And, and kids that have no sort of church life or even concept of Jesus are coming into this knowledge of Jesus through basketball. Is that so silly? Is that crazy? That God would use something as silly as a game to grab the hearts of young boys. Half the team's coming to our youth group now. It's just amazing. What are the things that you can say, you know what, I'm just not going to be waiting for my moment anymore. Hey, one day God's going to use me. No, it's now that God is going to use you. Now is your moment. Now is your breakthrough. You already had a breakthrough at the cross. Jesus had the ultimate breakthrough for you to jump in and to do it and to give your life away. What are those things that he wants you to do? One of the guys that we've got in our, our church, this is Mike LaSure. Mike LaSure's story is that whenever he was a kid, he was in a church. It's a Pentecostal, Holy Ghost, crazy sort of a church. It was probably something similar to what I was raised in. Um, and Mike is, is this little kid, and the preacher is up there just screaming, and, and just getting after it, just stirring it up, right? I mean, just one step short of pulling out the snakes and just getting crazy. I'm just kidding, all right? Just get, but he's just, and, and hellfire and, and all this sort of stuff. And he says, are there any sinners in the house? We got any sinners here tonight? And Mike's like, he's a kid. and He's kind of like freaking out. He's kind of like ducking behind the pew. And this lady grabs him underneath his armpits and lifts him up into the air and says, I've got one right here. I've got a sinner right here. And Mike felt completely exposed. Where you come to a church and that love should cover a multitude of sins. He was lifted on a cross and crucified in front of the whole church and exposed. You're a sinner. This kid's a sinner. And he says, I was so embarrassed and I'm fighting and wiggling just to get out of her arms. And I ran out of the back of that church and I never went back to church until the day I got married. A beautiful piece of pottery that somebody had brought into the presence of the Lord that the church just dinged up so bad. Mike was humbled whenever I asked him to to be one of our leaders, to sit on a, a leadership dream night at our church. And we were talking about how to reach people and, and, and he says, can I just share a story with you? And he tells this story. This was just Sunday night. And he's telling this He's, just, he's telling this story, and he's crying, and he's weeping. And this is a man who's 60 years old, just weeping over stuff that happened 50 years ago. Still processing the pain and the hurt that the church has dumped upon him. Because we said, you don't belong. If this kid would start to behave, he would belong. But he doesn't behave. He's a sinner. And sinners need to be exposed, is the message of this lady. Rather than covering him. Hey, I want to pray with you. I love you. Why don't you come on over to my house? I, 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 I got some, some kids I want you to, to play with and to get to know. 
he was completely exposed and he was dinged up for such a long time. I want to keep going here in verse 14. It says, Our firm decision is to work from this focused center. Okay, man, this sounds big. What's this focused center? One man died for everyone. That puts everyone in the same boat. I'm not in a different boat. I'm in your boat. I'm in your boat. We're all in the same boat. Everybody with me. We're all in the same boat on this thing. He included everyone in his death so that everyone could also be included in his life. A resurrection life. A far better life than people have ever lived on their own. I'll tell you, we are in a battle right now. We are in a battle that is being waged over the philosophies of, of, of people and their hearts and contending to love on those that are around us. I mean, we are engaging in, in some spiritual warfare of, of just wrestling for the hearts and the minds of people just to be loved on. I'll tell you what, there's nothing worse than being in one of the most serious moments and being distracted about, about something that's far less. I'm a coach, okay? I call timeout. There's, there's two seconds left in the game. It's a tie game, and we've got the ball. And I've got all the guys huddled up, right? And guys, this is, this is what matters, and we're drawing up the play, and this is our strategy. This is what we're going to do. Everybody's in here. Everybody belongs. Everybody's with me here. Okay, this is what we're going to do. We're going to pass the ball in here. We've got to make this move, and we're going to go score. And you've got this kid that's over here in the side of the huddle who's sipping on Gatorade. I don't like this Gatorade. Is this lemon-lime? My favorite's fruit punch. I don't like this. You, you, you didn't put enough ice in it. This isn't even cold. This is warm. How can I go out and play and be the fullness of what I'm supposed to do um, whenever this is just bad? This isn't even good. Would somebody give me a towel? Oh my gosh, I'm sweating. It's somebody else's fault. Or, or we can major on minors all of the time. And whenever there's a, there's a, there's a deadline, there is a, uh, there's something bigger going on in this moment. And, well, I don't like this, and I don't necessarily enjoy that, and, and I would prefer it this way. You know what? Just serve. Just bless. Just get involved. Plant and, and, and wherever you're planted. Come on, let's grow, and let's uh, love others around you. Love the, the person that's directly right in front of you. Let's major on the majors. Are you all with me? And you know what? Let's, let's try to make the Gatorade a little bit better as we go along. But you know what? At the end of the day and at the end of the game, it doesn't matter who has the best Gatorade. It matters who can score the most points. And so there's something a little bit higher when it comes to the church. And it's not just, well, I want to do what I want to do and I want to serve the way that I want to serve. And why don't they ever see that I'm so gifted and talented? If somebody would just recognize we would take this church to a whole other level. Dear Jesus. Sir. Just ask, because there's something bigger that's going on. I believe that God is faithful, that He'll see you serving in another man's field, and He'll bless you, He'll honor you. We don't need to be poo-pooing on each other and, and all that sort of stuff. I mean, we just need to get involved and serve. You've got to make sure you watch your attitude in the midst of serving. He says there's this one thing that we focus on. There's this center point that we focus on. Christ died for everyone. We're all in the same boat. Let's get that message out. That's the one thing. We're going to major on this, on this one thing. Watch where your attitude goes. Be careful who you lend your ear to, whose voices are speaking to your head. Be careful what podcasts you listen to. Be careful what blogs you read. Be careful what columns and books that you're digesting. Be careful of what the input that you're taking into your inner man and into your soul. And saying, Jesus, we want to major on the majors. We're going to love the person in front of us. They're just directly in front of us. I'm in this town, I think there's a school here. I think I'm just going to show up and love kids. 
I'm in this community and I and I and and, and they've got they've got a Starbucks and I'm just gonna go in there and just start loving on people. I just dare somebody walk into Starbucks today because if they walk across my path, they're gonna get loved on, they're gonna be believed in, they're gonna have somebody lift their head and know that they belong, that Jesus has put us all in the same boat together. Let's not just keep waiting for our moment to come. Someday God's going to use me. God wants to use you now. He wants to use you in that factory. He wants to use you in that, uh, that place of employment. He wants to use you wherever you are. Now is your moment. Got another. This is Carolyn Jones. She's a Kentsugi project. Carolyn Jones is in our church. She's been in our church for years and years. She faithfully served her husband as he went through dementia. And it got pretty ugly as he was going through just a hard, hard time. And I would watch Carolyn serve and lay down her life for another, a man who could not return any sort of service back to her. I was with Kent, her husband, in the VA hospital as we're walking along, and he collapses and he falls, and he hits his head, and there was mega damage that was done and never fully recovered. It wasn't long after that that Kent uh, Ken ended up passing away. And Carolyn has been alone for a while. She's here with her twin sister, if you couldn't tell. And here she is serving faithfully in our church, and she says, you know what? I could, I could have a sob story. I could internalize it. I could whine and, and gripe and... And Carolyn is one of my heroes. What Carolyn has recently done is she has opened up her home on Monday nights and she's a, she started a grieving group. And it's open to all widows. If you're going through some grieving and you just need a shoulder to cry on, she said, I don't know how to counsel. I don't know how to teach. I don't know how to get into the deep things of the Scripture. She says, but I just know how to be your friend. And if you need a friend and you need a shoulder, my house is open. Widows from our church start hearing about this and they start showing up at our house. And Carolyn just opens it up. She's like, I don't know what we're supposed to do tonight, um, but I just want to love on you girls. And, and uh, they just start unloading. And after they're done, they're like, thank you, Carolyn. This is awesome. I don't know what I did, but I just love you. And they all leave the house. The message starts getting around around the community. People from the community, widows from the community start showing up at Carolyn Jones's house and just showing up. I just heard this is a place where I belong. I heard this is a place where I'm loved. I heard this is the place where I can just bring my brokenness. I heard this is the place where I can just bring my grieving. I heard this is the place where I can just come as I am and I'll be loved for who I am and not for who I'm not. I can just come with a limp. I can just come looking like, you know, whatever. I can just come with all of my weakness and all of my baggage and somebody's going to love me. Somebody's going to lift my head. Somebody's going to give me a shoulder. Somebody's just going to let me be who I am in a moment of pain and weakness and just allow me to be me in the midst of a hard situation that God has placed me in. It was completely out of my control, but God has put me here. I'm going to do the best I possibly can. And so somebody opens it up to me. And I don't know what you're waiting on. Maybe you're waiting on, man, well, how's God going to use me? How? Open up your home. Say, I don't know what I'm doing, but somebody can come over. And if you just want to come over, I don't know how to teach the Bible, but you're more than welcome. I can be your friend. I, I'm, not a, I'm not a theologian, but I'm a great friend. I've got, a, I've got a good shoulder. If you just want to lean on it, if you just want to cry on it, it's available every Monday night at 7 o'clock. And who knows? Maybe the message starts to spread throughout the church. Maybe throughout your neighborhood. Maybe some kintsugi starts taking place. And some pottery gets restored. And the value in their life increases. And somebody just encourages them just to lift their head. I don't know what it looks like for you. 
I have no idea what it even looks like for us. But it's just people who are willing. People who are saying, I'm not, I'm not whining about my husband. I'm not whining about the Gatorade. I'm not whining about all the, the hurt and the brokenness and the abandonment and the loneliness and feeling exposed. I, 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 but I'm just going to serve. I'm just going to dive in. I'm just going to love others because I believe that God has called me to love others. There's a principle that I want to teach you, and, and I believe that I'm still learning it now. But the difference between being present and being with. Some of you all know there's a big difference. Alyssa and I, my wife, we were at Walmart, and uh, we were doing some, some, some shopping because we've got a lot of money to go to Walmart. And uh, so we're doing like some mega shopping, you know. And, and so we're there, and so she's standing next to me, and I start talking to her about this shirt and about this shirt. And, and the longer I talk, the, the, like the louder the silence, like she's not talking back. And so I just kind of keep talking and, you know, this and that. And I look over to this woman, and it's not my wife. I'm like, whoa, uh, this is some other woman. This is not the woman that I pledged my life to and that we're in covenant with. And I thought the whole time. And so I was present with this woman. How many of y'all know? I was present. But I am not with that woman. There's a totally different thing. Y'all are present with each other tonight. And I believe there's another level of, I want to be with you as you walk through this pain. I want to dive in the ditch with you in your grieving. I want to meet you at that point. I want to grieve as you grieve. I want to weep as you weep. I want to mourn when you mourn. And you know what? Whenever we come out of it, I'm going to dance when you dance. I'm going to laugh when you laugh. I'm going to celebrate whenever you celebrate. I've walked through teenagers and, and college students for so long that all they want to do is get married. And there's this loneliness. And I, I know it well. I've been through it. And there's this pain and this loneliness. And I've cried with so many people about just the loneliness. And God, I'm, I'm waiting and I'm saving myself and I'm pursuing the holiness. And I've cried. And you know what? Years later, I'm standing at their wedding. Either officiating it or just sitting out there watching it. And afterwards, you know what we do? We dance. And we dance because she's dancing. And we laugh because she's laughing. And we celebrate because she celebrates. I'll tell you, with Pastor Lonnie, we laugh. But man, we go so much deeper when we cry. And when we meet each other at a crazy place, when he's with me, he wasn't just present last night at the dinner table. Hey, that's a great story, Brock. Appreciate it. Um, hey, let's move on. I, I want to, uh, you know, do something else. You guys want to watch the game? And I can still be present with him watching the game. It's a whole other thing of being with somebody as they're walking this road. In verse 16 it says, Because of this decision, we do not evaluate people by what they have or how they look. Can anybody say amen to that? You belong. And it's not how you act. It's not how you look. It's not how you perform. It's not if you lift your hands high enough, hit your knees hard enough, if you weep loud enough. It's not if you knew all the rhetoric. It's not if you did you know, all this you know, sort, of, sort of stuff. We have a, we have a life group at, at our church. And... Uh, these are just good old boys. They're just country boys. A lot of them are farmers and factory workers and, you know, whatever. And they're, they're saying some pretty out there stuff. And they're talking about God and cussing all at the same time. I'm like, this is new. This is different. This is a creative way to do this sort of thing. Uh, one guy, he's got his whole lip just jam-packed full of dip. And he's talking and spitting at the same time. And he'll sit in the middle of our life group with his spit cup. And Jesus, you know, is doing this in my family, in my life. I'm like, I don't have a filter for this. I haven't really seen this in ministry. But you know what? I like it. 
and you're here and this is exactly where you need to be and I'm not looking at what you do or how you look or how you perform it's no longer looked through those through those lenses we've got another guy this is his name's Isaiah he lives just down the street from us um, he's he's the one on the right yeah okay anyway um, I'm the one on the left and Isaiah comes into our community he, he's He's from L.A. He was homeless. And he moves to Fairmount, which is the weirdest move of all. God is assembling such the weirdest group. And he moves to Fairmount, Indiana, and he's homeless. And he starts, just, he just got a, a job at the grocery store. Um, he gets a bicycle, and he starts riding his bike um, about 12 to 15 miles one way to McDonald's so that he can work at McDonald's, and then he rides home. And then he had also gotten a third job doing something. Um, and he was just hustling. He was just trying to figure out life. I'm like, I, this guy doesn't look, doesn't feel, doesn't whatever, all the whole things about what I would come in contact with. Isaiah comes over. We just start watching basketball together. This is a bag of chips sitting on that table that he brought. We have fed him so many times. We gave him money to even get into his apartment when he first got in. He had nothing. Um, my granny, 83 years old, is coming to our church now. And her heart for Isaiah is just huge. She loves Isaiah. And they own some apartment buildings. And she invites Isaiah to come over to her apartment that she's kind of cleared out. And she just gives him a ton of furniture to furnish his apartment. And says, we don't know you, but that doesn't matter. You belong here. We have no clue what your history is. We have no idea why you're homeless or why you lost your job or why your parents want nothing to do with you. He's been abandoned, uh, and, he was, and he was adopted, and, 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 he's, and he's still disconnected from parents and from relationship. And from... But he's found a home. The other day at church, we've got, uh, we do a little bit of contemporary, we do a little bit of old, old school hymns, and we've got this little drum box like, that you can just kind of sit on and just kind of beat a little bit. Um, during our hymns, Isaiah walks up to the drum box and he sits on it and starts beating the drums during hymns with a pipe organ. Now I just experienced y'all worship tonight, but you've seen nothing yet until you show up to in the middle of the farm, a Quaker church with a brother, a homeless guy from LA uh, beating the drums during pipe organ hymns. That's a whole nother reality. I don't know how to do this. And there he is. And I said, Isaiah, that'll work. You belong. And I'm looking around, is everybody cool with this? What's going to happen? Am I going to be invited back next week? Like, what's, what's going to happen here in the church? Um, and Isaiah's just become that guy. He's Kent Sugi. He's our guy. And he's being restored and put back together. I'll tell you, there's some times where I just don't have enough grace for everything that's going on in Isaiah's life. I'm just like, dude, I have told you, I'm done. I feel frustrated. And my wife comes in and she loves him up. It's amazing the heart that she has for this guy. It's unbelievable. I mean, and, and it's like a, like a little child. For her, I mean, she's just taken him and just wrapped him and loved him up. Who, who's your Isaiah? Who's that person that just needs a hug? They just need loved on. They just want to be invited over to watch the game. He's the last guy I want to watch the game with. But he said he's on my couch. We have him over for movie night. Hey man, we're just watching a movie. Come come sit with our family. You want to come over? Oh my gosh, yeah, I would love to. Somebody invited me over. Somebody just reached out. Somebody just loved. And he's being restored. And you know what? It's not deep theology. He's being restored with, with movie night. He's being restored with IU basketball games. 
He's being restored just by, by somebody who's welcomed into their couch. And there's some deep, amazing things that are happening in his life. Continues on here. We look at the Messiah that way once. And he got, uh, we looked at that Messiah that way once, saying that we looked at him in, in judgment. We looked at him once and we got it all wrong, as you know. We certainly don't look at him that way anymore. Hello. Now we look inside at what we see is that anyone united with the Messiah, they get a fresh start and they are created new. The old life is gone. The new life begins. Look at it. All this comes from the God who settled the relationship between us and Him and then called us to settle our relationships with each other. God put the world square with Himself through the Messiah. He says it's square. He says it's all good. He says we're all in the same boat. He says I don't need anybody else to judge. I got that. Everything is, is flush and square. Giving the world a fresh start by offering forgiveness of their sins. God has given us the task of telling everyone what He is doing. We're Christ's representative. God uses us to persuade men and women to drop their differences and enter into God's work of making things right between them. We're speaking of Christ Himself now. Become friends with God. He's already a friend with you. How, you ask? In Christ. God put the world on Him who never did anything wrong so that we could be put right with God. Every day, you've got the great opportunity to carry your cross, to lay your life down. The Bible says this, that if you try to hold on to your life, it's like trying to hold on to sand. This slips right through. He says, but if you just give it away, that's where you're going to find it. And that's where you find life to the full. You become fully alive in a death. How many of you all know that that resurrection is the only thing better than life? It's to have been alive, have tasted death in the brokenness, and be re completely restored with Kintsugi sort of value, with this complete restoration taking place inside of you. I don't know what you're doing. Maybe you're loving on your coworker. Maybe you're loving on your neighbor. Maybe you're inviting somebody over to watch the game. Maybe you're, maybe you're trying to furnish somebody's apartment with some broken down furniture. I don't know what it is. But whatever you are doing, I just want to encourage you in that. That you're a hero. That you are a gospel hero. If you're trying to start an FCA on your campus, you're a hero. And you're doing it. Some of, you, some of you students, you need to figure out what it takes to make that happen. To say, I want to ask the teacher, can I use your room? Can we come in 15 minutes early? Can we stay 15 minutes late? Can we come in during lunch? I don't know what it is, but I just want to love on people. I just want to encourage. I just want to lift their head. I'll tell you, high school is a lot easier with a donut and a hug and somebody just loving on you, just showing up before school even starts and you're standing there. I believe in you. You can do it today because I'll guarantee you this. They're not getting it at home. They're not getting it whenever dad's not even around, when dad's rolled out, when mom's there by himself, and these kids are basically raising themselves. We've got a generation raising themselves. What if there was just an FCA leader that rolled in and said, I love you, FCA is Fellowship of Christian Athletes. We just show up and we just want to love you. Just want to encourage you today. Maybe just show, in, show up to your job 15 minutes early. Hey, just got a couple of sugary pastries here. Life goes a little bit better whenever we've got sugary pastries. Don't we all enjoy a donut and a hug? Don't know what it is. But there's a way that I want to show some sort of love of Jesus. I'll tell you, we have studied church growth models. And what we're doing in Fairmount doesn't line up with any of them. Because I just, it just doesn't seem to work that way. What has worked is just to preach the gospel, 
love the person in front of us, and believe that God will build His church. He says, I'm going to build my church. And we don't have mega strategies. We don't have growth track plans, although I, I believe in strategies. I'm smart enough to know that you know, sometimes they're, they're helpful. I just don't know how to do them. I just know how to be a friend. I know how to, to love on kids. I just know how to love on the person in front of me. I know how to visit the sick, the poor, the diseased, the dying. I want to help people die well. I want them to finish their race well. It matters. All the way into the end, life matters. And God has put us in this weird spot. We're saying, God, we're going to be faithful. We're going to honor you in this spot. And I believe that God's going to honor you. God, I'm here. I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm going to honor you. I'm going to do this thing. I believe that God's doing some kentsugi at Keystone. I believe that some of you sitting in here have been restored. I believe that some have been redeemed. I believe that some have just, they've tasted and they've seen a different life and they've experienced, man, marriage can be amazing. And perhaps our marriage would be like an oak tree that people can just come under and just rest, just get some shade, can just drink deep from. Perhaps somebody's just been loved on. They've just been redeemed. Or somebody's come in and they've just lifted their head. They've just said, man, I believe in you. You've got a call of God on your life. There's more. How can I help further that gift in you? How can I help just lift your head one more day? Come on, let's stay in the fight just a little bit longer. Come on, there's, there's some more value inside of you. Come on, let's squeeze out that pressed gold that's within you. Let's put those broken pieces back together. For some of them, they're just being accepted. And all of their craziness, they're being accepted. And their weird, furry selves. The baldest guy with the most hair in the entire church. He's accepted. And he's loved. And he's saying, man, I, I found my spot. This is my home. Somebody believed in me. Somebody just invited me in. Somebody just decided to love on me. Somebody's putting more value in me. I've been broken. But something's happening. There's a whole group of women that are being raised up. And they belong. This is home. This is where you belong. We no longer see you the way that we used to see you. Now we see you as Christ sees you because we're all in the same boat. And so here's what we're going to do. We're going to spend the rest of our lives loving, encouraging, and we're going to leave the rest up to Jesus. I'll tell you this. There's not a single person on the planet that can change another person. There's not another church. There's not a single church that can change another person. It's only through the power of the Holy Spirit of God can He come in and transform the human heart. And our job is just to love on Him. I just want to love I can be your friend. I just want to be your friend. I just want to invite you on in and to come into a place of friendship and relationship. I don't know about you, but I just want to stop looking for the supernatural and I want to start looking for the supernormal and the normal everyday life that God wants to meet. And there's a lot of supernormal people in here that God wants to use. He just wants to use you. He just wants to hug some people through you. He just wants to come back on the earth and just lift somebody's head with your hand. He just wants to watch the ball game with your neighbor through you. He wants to furnish somebody's apartment through you. He wants to form some pottery again for it to be born again, for it to have a rebirth for it to have a second shot, to have a, a new life to where somebody says you belong. And this is the place that you're going to come alive. The supernormal is what we're looking for. Where God just breaks through and He does something 
in a supernatural way. I'll tell you, it's just going to take churches like yours. It's that Matthew chapter 5. God, I just want to be a light on a hill. I just want to shine. I just want to shine. How can I shine today? However I can do it, I just want to shine. As we close here tonight, I just want to pray over this church that there would be such an opening for the Holy Spirit to do what only He can do. But He would do it through us in very practical ways. I don't know about you, but I get into myself a lot. And I get into selfish things. I don't want to give up my time. How many of you all love your time? You love your schedule. You don't want to give up stuff. And I don't either. But I'm seeing it's the only way that that stuff can happen. And I just need another dose of the ghost. I need an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. I can't do it in and of myself. I need God. God, I need you. I need another level of you. And if you're willing tonight and you're saying, God, I just need more. And I want to be, I want to be one of those that helps restore. I want to be one of those that just helps love. I just want to be one of those. Would you just stand with me tonight? I would just like to pray for you. Maybe you're just saying, God, I, I don't know how to do this. Sure, you can do it. You're a pastor. That's what you're supposed to do. No, you're a Christian. This is what you're supposed to do. You're a believer. This is what we're called to do, just to love. And there's ways just to look, just to look at the person in front of you. Jesus, I just pray that you would make this gospel incredibly simple. That simply loving the person in front of us and serving them, encouraging them, bringing life to them, God, just diving in, meeting them in their point of grief and brokenness. Father, I pray this over Keystone Church. Father, I just pray for a baptism of love to wash over them. God, we thank you. This is baptism night. And this is a baptism of the Holy Spirit, just to love their community, to love them to life, to speak words of life, to speak words of encouragement, to find that person, to love on them. Father, we pray for an anointing to love. We pray for an anointing to love. In Jesus' name, amen.